Welcome to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle, a branded podcast from Worthy. I'm Mandy Walker and I'm your host. Selling a piece of jewelry like an engagement ring or wedding set can be a nightmare, but Worthy is a selling partner you can trust to work with you and for you to get the best deal on your piece. And if you're thinking it's not worth the hassle, remember that your diamond engagement ring can be the financial asset that allows you to embrace that fresh start after divorce. Worthy helps you get the best deal possible for the jewelry you've outgrown. And for a limited time, our podcast listeners can get a $100 gift card when they sell their jewelry with Worthy. Go to worthy.com forward slash podcast to learn more. Welcome to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle, a branded podcast from Worthy. I'm Mandy Walker and I'm your host. For this episode, we're changing things up a little bit. Instead of a specific topic, I'm talking to our guest about her personal recovery from divorce. My guest today is Stacey Freeman. She's been on the show before talking about re-entering the workplace. Stacey is a New York City-based writer and former lifestyle editor for Worthy.com. She's the author of the just-published book, I Bought My Husband's Mistress Lingerie. It's a collection of short essays chronicling Stacey's own experience with divorce from her high school sweetheart. Welcome, Stacey. Thank you, Manzi. It's nice to be here again. Well, I'm, I am so glad that you could join us, and I enjoyed reading your book. I love the, the layout with the short essays, and I love the, the style of writing. It's truthful, it's honest, it's transparent without being overbearing and dragging me down while I'm reading it. So nice job there. Thank you. That's great to hear. I love getting feedback, but I appreciate it. Yeah. You, you know, your first essay ties right into the title of the book, and it's, a, it's about the lingerie. And I'm sure that our listeners are just like, gosh, this is this is odd. This is weird. How do you buy lingerie for your husband's mistress? I wondered if you could share that story with our listeners. Absolutely. Well, as you can tell, that is the title is a spoiler alert. And <laughs> I really did do that. I did buy my husband's mistress lingerie, but it's not for the reasons, I mean, you might think or might not even think of. I did find lingerie in my husband's suitcase when he was home. Um, just to backtrack a little bit, we were married. We were high school sweethearts, parents to three uh, young children who were 11, 10, and 6 at the time. But uh, prior, you know, two years prior to that, my husband had been commuting with quotes around it back and forth from our home in New Jersey to Hong Kong, where he was uh, working and he was going back and forth and he would come home like every six weeks or every six weeks or so. And we, when we kind of agreed to this arrangement, because I didn't want to move back to Hong Kong where we had lived during the early 2000s. So 2003 to 2005, I really didn't want to go back. My kids were in grade school and you know, we kind of came to this agreement and he'd been going back and forth for two years, which definitely can put a strain on a marriage, not living in the same home. And then this essay, which opens the book, chronicles exactly, you know, my finding this lingerie in his suitcase and um, everything just 
kind of spun out from there. And it led to me actually destroying this lingerie, but then (laughs) coming to this conclusion that this is not an answer, that anger is not an answer, and that I better pull myself together quickly and make a decision that okay, I I need to move forward from this point on. Do I do it like a crazy person, like someone filled with rage, someone filled just with, you know, anger and behaving accordingly as an angry person? Or do I say to myself, and I can't even believe that this is happening, but I have three kids. I don't want to walk around like this. I need to pull myself together because I have to function right now. And so I won't give away this whole essay But my husband basically said to me in so many words, nothing you do right now or say is going to change my decision. And so I was like, okay, who am I? And I bought her. I replaced the lingerie. But you got to read exactly how I came to this conclusion. Oh, my gosh. There's so much in that story. (laughs) Yes. Um, So, so much. Like, you know, what struck me was interesting about what prompted you to look in his suitcase because from reading it I don't think that's something that you normally did his suitcase he'd come back from his trip he'd leave his suitcase on the floor and it would stay kind of semi-packed ready for the leaving but something on that day prompted you to look exactly so you know this is a person that I knew since I was literally 15 years old he was 17 we met we never dated other people I really trusted my husband. I never would ever go snooping for anything. I never thought that I would ever have to, or it never occurred to me even, I trusted him. So, you know that voice inside of you, which I think when something happens, we all look back. We have that moment when we look back and we say, oh my God, you know, had I listened to that inner voice, I would have realized, you know, whatever was going on. I had walked past the suitcase on the floor, back and forth, back and forth in my bedroom for a few days. And he always dropped it where it was. But something, I looked at it one day, I walked past it and it just, something was different. And what I realized what was different, and he had been acting a little strange. And also right before he came home, um, he had said to me out of nowhere, we were had, we were supposed to have met in London for a long weekend. He was coming back for a conference in New York and we were supposed to have met before that in London for a, a long weekend because he had was speaking there or going to some business event. I forget what it was already, but he canceled it at the last minute, said he was tired. He was just going to come home. And I got into an argument with him over the phone And this is before he came back. And I said, well, how, you know, why would you tell me not to come to London? I was already packed. My parents were coming. And he's like, you know what? He's like, I'm done with our marriage. I've moved on. Oh. And I'm like, that's a quote. And I'm like, what do you mean? You've moved on. We have three kids, a house, a cat. Like, what do you mean? You've moved on. I'm looking at, you know, my life around me. And he was just kind of like, I've moved on. So I didn't know if he was jet lagged, I like didn't understand. So when he came home, he was acting a little bit aloof, but you know, he kind of still repeated this. He was done. He would see it had nothing to do with anybody, you know, cause I said, is there something you want to tell me? Is there anybody else? No, 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 no. I'm just kind of, we can't keep commute, you know, doing this commute. I can't keep doing this commute. You can't 
live there and it's just not going to work. It's been two years and it's just too much stress. And that's when I kept walking past the suitcase and it didn't, something just wasn't right about the whole atmosphere. But what I realized about the suitcase is that the cover was closed and it never was before. It wasn't zipped closed, but he had always just left it open. So that's when I looked, I just opened it and he was like speaking in New York, you know, he wasn't home and I opened it. And that's when I found this lingerie that was not intended for me. And I also found some other clothing, which was not purchased for me. And he had gone to the, he had taken me out to lunch, you know, a couple days before. And then he said he was going to the mall to buy shoes, which he never came home with. So, you know, I assume that's what he had bought, but it wasn't for me because he would have given it to me. And he just said, you know, he acknowledged it wasn't for me. Said at first it was for a client, but by the end of the week, you know, I don't think you normally buy a client that. So, yeah. No. <laughs> and so then, you know, the truth, he eventually came forward with the information that I guess I was kind of pressing him for because I'm, I, I would rather deal with the truth. And, and he told me there was somebody else and that, that was it. And so it was shocking it was absolutely, I, you can imagine that moment. Maybe some of the listeners have actually had that moment, been in that moment, and or maybe they've been the cause of that moment. That's another story too. But I think for both people, it's still, everything's coming to a head. It's very emotional and it's it's shocking on I, every level. Yeah. I, you know, I was going to ask you about how it felt in that moment. And I've written before on the blog that I used to keep about how people have these catalytic moments. That's what I called them. And it's a, it, it's a moment that can bring everything into focus about signs that you've misread before, you haven't seen, and the real state of the marriage. But it's they're disturbing and they're unbalancing. And I think it's they're hard to ignore. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think, you know, whenever you look back, you see signs. I mean, I I don't know what he was doing, but my um gut tells me this wasn't like he wasn't like serially doing these things. But I think when he made the decision that he was done and had started up with somebody else, I think that he just was done. And the marriage, you know, had its problems, but I think that whenever you do something behind somebody's back, it's still shocking to the other person. They're not expecting that. We were on a family vacation less than a month before. It's, it, you, there's no way to really just put a name on the one name on the feelings that go through your yeah. head. And it's just shocking because the world that you know is all of a sudden, you know, blown up. And nothing looks the same. Right. So he left after that and went back to Hong Kong. And we kind of entered this kind of strange period where I knew he had somebody else, but I was still married. And, you know, I kind of was like pleading, let's go to counseling. Let's do X, Y, and Z. I'll come there. We'll, let's try and work this out because, you know, I was number one, afraid and number two, we had this life together. And, you know, at that point, I didn't know if I was this person that could come back from infidelity. And there are people who are able to do that. But I had no idea who I was. 
And, you know, I was like figuring this out as I went along, but my first inclination was to kind of work to save the marriage. And, you know, we had so many years together and I had these small children and I never wanted to be divorced. I never thought about being divorced. That was something for somebody else. So I, I really basically pled for my marriage. And, you know, looking back, I, I'm not very proud of those moments. I, at one point I got on my hands and knees and literally was pleading for his affection and forgiveness. I was asking for forgiveness for everything under the sun. I was coming up with things, things maybe I didn't pay enough attention. You know, I was like blaming myself completely. And that's never the case when there's two people in a marriage and he just really wasn't receptive to it. And then at one point, his relationship, he had told me this ended over there. And we had this like brief reconciliation. This originally happened in January, I think in April of that year, we reconciled for about five days and we were kind of walking around, like pretending everything was okay. And I was like, you know what? This doesn't feel right. I knew it wasn't right. And it was, I had, I said to myself, I don't want to go on like this. And I, I don't think I am that person that is forgiving. In fact, I know I'm not. And so that's when I was like, we're done. We're done. And then things happened where I could tell it was starting up. It was not a way to live for me, at least. And so right. I was like, I said to him, well, actually, I went and got a lawyer before that because I had, I'm a, also a firm believer and I'm a realist. I got my ducks in a row six days after I found the lingerie. I had started to interview lawyers right away. I did. I retained somebody just in case. And um, I wanted to see what happened. And I interviewed a bunch of lawyers and hired one. And I wanted to see what would happen. And then in April, when I realized this is not the way I want to live, I called my lawyer and said, send the letter. Right. So, Stacey, we're going to take a short break, but I have more questions for you. (laughs) Lots more. Listeners, you're listening to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle. We'll be right back and do stay tuned to hear more about Stacey Freeman's personal journey after divorce. Moving past divorce is hard enough without your old engagement ring staring you in the eye every time you open your jewelry box. With Worthy, you'll find a selling partner who will help you transform your rings from dusty relics of hard times to a financial asset to help you start fresh. Worthy takes care of everything from insurance coverage to secure shipping, professional grading, and more. So when you're ready to sell, partner with Worthy. We're ready when you are. And for a limited time, our podcast listeners can get an extra $100 to Amazon when they sell their jewelry with Worthy. Go to worthy.com forward slash podcast to learn more. Welcome back to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle. I'm your host, Mandy Walker. And in this episode, we're talking about recovering from divorce with Stacey Freeman. Stacey is a New York City-based writer and former lifestyle editor of worthy.com. She's the author of the just published book, I Bought My Husband's Mistress Lingerie. It's a collection of short essays chronicling Stacy's own experiences with divorce from her high school sweetheart. Stacy, how much time has elapsed now since the lingerie episode? Okay, so that happened in January of 2012. 
All right. So my question to you, like you had said yes. that you went through this period where you were trying to like taking on, it sounded like you're taking on a lot of responsibility for the marriage and pleading with your husband to make the marriage work. So 10 years out, what would you say to that person who was pleading? What would you say now with everything that you know now and all the skills that you've learned now, what would you say to that person, that Stacy, back in 2012? Well, I would say just take a step back and everything is spinning out of control. Like you yourself need to remove yourself from the situation and go to a, a place physical or mental and just regroup because everything is going through your head at once. And I think it's human nature to kind of say, oh my God, what did I do? How did I cause this? And on the flip side, I think some people are of the mindset where they want to just blame the other person. And the reality is it's somewhere in between. Yeah. And you have to really figure out what your contribution was to the situation. And um, I actually wrote about um, this moment of finding the lingerie. I wrote an article years ago for the Washington Post. It was called, I'm Happy My Husband Married the Other Woman. And it really speaks to those years of, you know, again, that moment was just a pivotal moment in my life. And you want to really figure, you have to, you have to take a step back. Like you really have to just figure things out even just if it's for a few days, you know, just that you don't want to react right away. You never want to react. You know, you need to kind of wrap your head around what's going on. It's a lot. And mind you, I had to wrap my head around it while taking care of three children. Yes. yes. Which so, seems like it's next to impossible. But guess what? <laughs> when you have a situation, you really, you you find strength within yourself and you rise to the occasion and there's no better reason to pull yourself out of bed in the morning than when you have to drive your children to school. Right. So right. it's hard. It is. No one's going to say it's easy. You know, it's easy. It's not. It's the hardest thing. One of the hardest things I've ever had to do. You know, I've talked to hundreds of people about going through divorce and that everybody will say the same thing. It is. It's, it's the hardest life experience that they, they go through. I think in your, when we were first talking you said that you went from, you you recognized that being in this state of rage wasn't going to be productive for helping you work through it. And I thought, wow, that is, there's a, a lot of maturity, emotional maturity around that, recognizing that and to, to getting into a place where you could effectively manage your way through it. Right. And it wasn't don't get me wrong. It's it wasn't like, easy. okay, no. oh my God, it was so hard. And I've had so many fails at it. And, you know, during those early days, I mean, I was, you know, I, I have a lot of regrets. I was crying in front of my children at the beginning. You know, I was probably speaking too much and was definitely speaking too much out loud. And there are moments that I was not proud of. And um, I'm still not proud of looking back, but, you know, we have to at some point also forgive ourselves because, and acknowledge that trauma because these are experiences you've never had before. And you, you really can't understand them until you're actually looking back at the situation. And, you know, we do our best in the moment, but our best is not always how we would have 
chosen to behave. And I remember there was one specific moment where it was just like my husband had told me he was done with our marriage and I'd found the lingerie. And that week, my middle child, my second daughter had a concert at school. And I don't remember even if it was, I don't remember if it was a day before or two days before, this is the haze I was in. But like within that week, she had a concert at school. And I remember walking over to the school from my house. It was a few blocks away. And I was walking in with groups of, I hope I don't start to cry when I tell the story, but mm-hmm. I was walking in with groups of people, parents, there, even dads were home during the day. And um, I think she, I think she was in the orchestra and I walked in and I was feeling horrific anxiety. I, it had to have been within a couple of days of all this. And I was feeling terrible, terrible anxiety. And as I'm walking in with these groups of people, I started to feel really bad. And I walked in and everybody was milling around, finding their seats before the concert started. And I found my daughter and I was standing in the back. I didn't even have a seat. And I found my daughter sitting on the side, holding her violin. And I walked over to her and she looked so cute. Please don't let me cry. You know, with her braids, you know, in her hair or her pigtails, whatever, you know, she just looked like very small. She was little in elementary school and she was sitting there. And I said to her, I can't stay. I just, I, I, mommy feels sick. I can't stay. And I just remember her looking up at me and saying, okay, mommy. And I walked out. So, you know, those moments sit with me, right? but they make us stronger. And so these are things like we have to forgive ourselves from the past. We have to forgive ourselves moving forward. And we do the best that we can. But in that moment, I really felt like the walls were closing in on me. So Stacey, thank you so much for sharing that story. I can tell that it's really, it's a painful memory for you. And I would echo absolutely, you you do have to, we all have to forgive ourselves for those moments when we are less than our best. But also, I think that that leaving that concert is a really good illustration of you have to do what is necessary to take care of yourself correct this time you can't just maintain this facade that everything is fine this hard exterior if it's you know because it's that old analogy you've got to put your your oxygen mask on first before you can help anybody else so if that's what was necessary for you to help yourself and to get in a place where you could be there for your kids that night or in the morning the next day that was absolutely the right thing to do it was the only thing looking back that I could do. I really, I felt like the walls were closing in on me. In retrospect, I was probably having some level of a panic attack. Yeah. And I felt terrible about it. And she was so understanding and she just looked at me and said, okay, mommy, you know, it's fine. And I wrote about it years later. I published an article about it. And it's just, there's plenty of moments that were like that. And Over time, as I became a single mom, I was really good about setting boundaries for self-care, going out to dinner with friends, getting babysitters, going out on dates. It was hard because I didn't have joint, I had joint legal custody, but not, I had full physical custody. So I had challenges there. Was overseas. Right. And it makes it harder to to engage in self-care. But even taking a bath at night, 
became, you know, I'd always done that, but it really became a saving grace and still do it to this day. Every evening I take a bath. Lovely. And yeah. (laughs) So we've got about five more minutes left. Um, And I wanted to ask you, you talk in your book about the, the gifts that divorce ending your marriage gave you or you discovered from that. And I wondered if you could share, I mean, I think it takes some time to see those gifts. It's hard to see right in that moment, but with it, it's hindsight and then you discover those gifts. And I can I can relate to that myself. I'm, I'm wondering if you could share what the gift that you most appreciate. Being reliant on myself, knowing that I can do Literally, I can take care of everything myself. I had been doing a lot by myself because we had that kind of a marriage and we were very much business partners in our lives. And he was the career person. I managed my house like a company. We had a division of labor that really did work for a very long time. But I started my business it's been almost, you know, a decade. I think when I first actually started my LLC, I think it's almost eight years ago, but I started writing almost immediately within, I think I've pushed, you know, publish on my first article, maybe six months later after getting divorced and, uh, or separated even, but it was back, you know, a decade ago, more than a decade ago that I started writing and spun out my business from it. And, Oh my God. It's like, that's, that's my fourth child, that business. And I can't even say to anyone listening to this, that is scared and going through a trauma in their life. You can do what you set your mind to. You really can. And my kind of mantra became, what about me? People would say, Oh, you know, do you know anyone who does this? Do you know anyone who does that? And my, you know, when I started my business, I would say, what about me? And started getting clients and became a gainfully employed writer, self-employed writer. And it's like that became my next love. And everything falls into place when you look at yourself and you say, you know, I can, I can do this. When you see yourself as capable. Yeah. So we all run into hardships in our life. No one's immune and you never know what's around the corner. So you really have to pull yourself together and, and know that you can do this and you may have to drag yourself out of bed <laughs> and it's, and it's hard, but you can do it. Right. So, What about your children? Do you think that they got any gifts from the end of the marriage? I mean, it's, it's been hard on them to kind of redefine a relationship with a parent that, you know, lives 8,000 miles away, but they have a very, Nice relationship with their dad. He always, you know, came home and took them on vacation or came home to, you know, see them. And he talks to them on each individually every, his morning, their night, talks to them on the phone every night. He's been doing this for years. They have a a relationship with their dad, you know, and they kind of had to redefine what that is because you're not living in the same house and you don't see this person. There's no every other weekend, no Wednesday night dinners. So they have their own challenges. And, you know, I'm sure if you spoke to each one of them individually, they'd have a different story and a different stance on it. But again, you know, same thing. You deal with what you have and you try to make the best of it. And, you know, knock on wood, they're all great. They're great people. You know, my older daughter is 22. She's out of college. She's, you know, working. 
My second daughter is a senior in college and my son is, you know, a senior in high school. They're great people. They're people I would want to know if they weren't my children. I'd still want to know them. And I'm very proud of them. And they haven't had it easy either. Right. Right. It sounds like you've done a terrific job parenting them through this. I've made Um, my mistakes, but, you know, (laughs) we all have. But they're, they're great. They're great people. One more question. Was writing your book or, and it's not just your book because you've written, as you said, you started your writing career like pretty soon after the end of your marriage. But was writing about the end of your marriage therapeutic for you? Did that help you? It was so therapeutic. It wasn't really my goal when I sat down to write. Really, my goal was I had said to myself, okay, um, I don't want to practice law. I had gone to law school. I had was at kind of a turning point in my life. I really had to figure out what I wanted to do. And I wanted to be a writer. So I started a blog and I, in my mind, was using it as an online resume and a way to showcase my work. And that's exactly how it functioned. But I think a byproduct of it was really, it was so therapeutic to walk through this and make sense of it. And what was really heartwarming for me was when people reached out to me that were going through similar situations and, you know, said to me, oh my God, something you wrote really changed my life or changed my behavior. You can't put a price on that. Right. Right. So would you recommend, is it something that you'd recommend to listeners to write about or how would they go about doing that? I think writing about it is one way, if that is your thing. I mean, even journaling, even if you never publish a word, I think writing can be very therapeutic, you know, and just it can help you make sense of the world around you. But what I do say to people, and I would tell myself looking back, is find something that you love that is just for yourself and do it. Sign up for a class, sign up for you know, a painting class, a photography class. And mind you, in my head, like I want to learn how to take better pictures and I do want to take a photography class. And this is on my bucket list of things to do. And I'm hoping like I'll have more time for that coming up. And it's in my mind, like I'm setting my, you know, heart on doing that soon. You have to find what you love. I think the bottom line is everybody needs an outlet. Everybody needs to be creative. So if it's cooking, if it's writing, if it's taking pictures, painting, sculpting, whatever it is, like everybody needs that outlet and everybody needs to create. And that's like under that banner of, you know, taking time out to really take care of yourself. Absolutely. It's a necessity. Stacey, thank you so much for joining us today. I've really enjoyed it and I really appreciate you sharing your story. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I really do appreciate it. Our listeners, my guest today is New York City-based writer Stacey Freeman. Stacey's book, I Bought My Husband's Mistress Lingerie, has just been published. You'll find it wherever you buy your books. So please take a look at it, consider it. I think that it may help you on your journey through divorce. Thanks for listening to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle, a branded podcast from Worthy dedicated to celebrating women like you as you embrace a new beginning after divorce, separation, or whatever. 
Worthy is a selling partner with an online auction platform designed to help you sell your jewelry, such as an engagement ring or wedding set. When you decide to send your ring, Worthy takes care of the shipping and insurance to ensure that it arrives safely at our New York office. Once your jewelry arrives, the team at Worthy professionally cleans and photographs it before sending it out to a grading lab. All of these steps are designed to maximize your price in Worthy's online auction, where hundreds of buyers compete for your piece. One of the best parts of selling with Worthy is that you are completely in control. You'll work with Worthy's team to set a reserve price before the auction starts, keeping you in control of how much your ring sells for. If the highest bid comes in below that threshold and you decide not to accept it, we will send your ring back to you and we'll even cover the costs of the insured shipping again. Let us help you get the best deal possible for the jewelry you've outgrown. Are you ready to embrace your fresh start? Us too. And for a limited time, our podcast listeners can get an extra $100 to Amazon when they sell their jewelry with Worthy. Go to worthy.com forward slash podcast to learn more. Make sure you subscribe so you can catch every new episode of Divorce and Other Things in your weekly feed. If you like what you hear, rate and review us to help other women like you find us. This podcast is for you. So reach out to us at podcastworthy.com to let us know what you think and what you want to hear. We look forward to hearing from you. And you can also find more episodes at worthy.com forward slash podcast.